Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now let me tell you, the human being was designed to worship God. He lost that worship in the garden, but Jesus got it back on the cross. And because of that, we as a people today can worship Him in spirit and in truth. And let me tell you, there is nobody else in the universe you're supposed to worship. Amen. And I'm telling you, when you really discover what worship can do for you, you say, what is worship? Worship is the acknowledgement of God, not for anything He does, but for who He is in your life. And you know, we sang that song earlier during the praise service about God being a good God. So much of the Christian world has no concept of that. I mean, something negative will happen in their lives and they'll think this. Well, God truly allowed that to happen in my life to teach me some lesson of life. That is so unscriptural. My goodness. I mean, I don't want to go through anything to learn a life lesson. Do you? Amen. I mean, I know, I know what's hard out there in life. And I'm not going to go butt my head up against that, trying to see, you know, trying to challenge God to see if He'll keep me in something like that. I'm just going to use His Word to stay out of that kind of stuff. Thank God for His goodness. I said, thank God for His goodness. And let me just say this to you that are here, because I know we got a lot of people that listen around the world. Let me just say this. God is a good God, and He does not do anything bad. Now let me say that again. And you know, I, and I listen. I've had the theologians sitting in my services. Why are they sitting there listening to a to a beach bomb when they got all the degrees? I'm the one up speaking, and they're sitting down. How did that happen? Amen. It's because of the word. We stay with the word, not with theology. We reject theology. Stay with the word of God. Listen. Without exception, nothing that has ever happened in your life that is negative or bad, none of it was God. God would not allow it. You say, well, God allowed it. No, He didn't. He would not allow it. He does not stand for it. He knows the adversary has destruction scheduled for you, but He has already made provision to rescue you out of that and get you into the provision of God. Now, let me say this to the church. You don't have to live from one crisis to one failure to one, one negative situation, to one drama, one after another after. You don't have to live a life like that. I'll never forget years ago, Dr. Oral Roberts, looking at Pastor Lee and I, right in the eye, said this. John 10, 10 is the dividing line of the gospel. You have to remember that, Rusty, or you'll never be able to help people. The thief cometh not for to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything in your life that has been killed, stolen, or destroyed is the devil. Yeah, I know some of us help him out. I know some of us help him out. But I'm telling you, the next part of that scripture, Jesus said, but I'm come that you might have life. And I've come that you might have it in abundance. Now listen, that word life is the word zoe, Z-O-E. And it's not the human kind of life, it's the God kind of life. God has come that you might live the God kind of life on the earth. Not that you're God, but you enjoy all the provisions your loving Heavenly Father has given you in Christ Jesus. Yeah, there's a devil that will challenge you. There's a world system that that will challenge you. You live in flesh, that will challenge you. And honey, your mind will challenge you. 
But there's a greater strength than the devil, than your flesh, than this world system, or your mind, and that is the strength and the power of the Word of God. Isn't that good? God is so good. Give him a shout before you're seated. Hallelujah. Give our praise team a hand clap as you're seated. And we'll study the Word of God for a few moments. Amen. I'm going to invite you back tonight for communion. Being one of the ordinances of the church, we love to celebrate communion. Then we always have a wonderful fellowship. And listen, come back and listen to this teaching on divine healing. We thank God for His healing power. And my goodness, we've seen it in manifestation in such incredible ways. We were in Mexico. We did a healing night one night when we taught on the healing power of God. And man, it was incredible what God did during that time. And uh, I thank God for his healing power in my life. I mean, it's easy to preach what you've proved. Amen. How many have ever proved that God's healing power works in your body? Isn't that good? How many have ever been healed up here in the altar? You came up here with symptoms. You walked back without it. Anybody? Isn't that good? You know, the, the, I like what a guy said years ago. He said, a person with an argument is at the mercy of someone with a testimony. Right. Amen. You can tell me all day long God doesn't heal. I beg to differ. <laughs> I've got evidence. I'm here is one of the evidences. Amen. Thank God for that. In your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Now, we're, we're, we're getting into some things here spiritually. We're studying the Spirit of God that, that abides in us. And comes up on us or empowers us. Now we've said, uh, uh, showed in the word of God last week how much of the teaching in the church world today against the power of God. Did you know there are many churches that, that, that they'll tell you, well God can do that. But whether he ever does that or not is basically up to his own sovereign will. He does that at his will. That's not true. If that was true, we'd have to take the woman with the issue of blood out of the Bible. We'd have to take blind Bartimaeus out of the Bible. We'd have to take the ten lepers out of the Bible. We'd have to take the Syrophoenician out of the Bible. I could go on and on and on of all the people we'd have to take out of the Bible who did not wait around for God to do something, but went to God and said, God, do something. And God did it. Can I get a better amen? Which means what? You can initiate something. You can believe God for something. You can step up and say, Lord, I, I see this in your word, so I'm going to stand in faith and believe I receive it in Jesus' name. Now, those things do not come because we educate our, 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 our soulish mind with spiritual things. These things come because we grow our spirit by the word of God and by exercising the faith that God imparts into our heart. Listen, we should live not a life from one drama to the next, tragedy after tragedy. We should live a life from faith to faith and glory to glory. Which means what you're currently going through right now, God has a plan and a provision to get you out of it supernaturally. Supernaturally. If you took the supernatural out of my life, I'd fall over dead. Literally, physically dead. You say, why? Because it takes the supernatural just to keep you alive once you start serving God on this particular level. And let me just say this. You need to, you need to go to another level of serving God. No matter where, if you just got saved in the last couple of weeks or couple of months, you still need to grow and you need to get to that higher level. And I'm telling you, everything in your life will resist it. You say, what do you mean? I mean, <clears throat> you decide to start uh, uh, coming to church. You decide to start praying. You decide, you decide to start reading your Bible. The devil will give you 140 excuses not to and mess with your life so it seems like you can't even do it. Well, you've got to learn to overcome all that. 
But if you do, you can break into realms of serving God in different areas in your life in which the blessing of God is so overwhelming, you're just kind of like, man, how in the world did I ever, how in the world did this ever happen? Well, you give the glory to God. It's, it's the Lord. I like to say it like this. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. 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 I was driving around praying. I, I, I bought a beautiful truck about four years ago. And I was driving around praying because the systems were, 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 were kind of shutting down. And, and they gave me no relief when it came to getting these uh, computer chips. Like, well, we don't ever know. We, we didn't have them when we made the truck. That's what they told me. We didn't have them when we made the truck. I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds good. Amen. So I was driving. I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? And so I was driving by the car lot, and I just saw a truck there, and I pulled in there. And to watch God work in something like that is one of the most phenomenal things where you just kind of step back and think, well, you know, I don't know if I want this or not. And then people come out, and they start telling you something. You go, what, what, what? You know, you hear these stories about people uh, uh, bidding for some. They'll have a vehicle, somebody, and somebody said, "Well, I'll, I'll give you a sticker price." And somebody said, well, "I'll give you." A, listen, I got it. They took money off of it. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, "You're going to take money off of?" It? They took money off of. It. They made they made me a deal I couldn't refuse. I didn't steal the building fund to get it. Just to put you at ease, you say, "What point are you trying to make?" Everything about your life ought to be supernatural. I mean, everything you do, if you go in and buy a new vehicle, there ought to be some element of the super... Remember, Leah, years ago, we were buying something. We were buying... Uh, I think it was the first MDX that I bought for you. And we, we, we met this man years ago. I don't know how that happened. He actually ended up coming to church and getting saved at the church we were going to at the time. But he was the fleet manager for, uh, for Acura. And he saw us buying a car and went and got us and said, come with me. He saw we were buying it through our ministry. He says, I can get you a fleet price on everything. Remember that? That was amazing. So we were buying, I think it was the second or third car we bought from him. So he, he gave us this deal. And Leah said this. She said, you know, I just want, I just want to believe God. I just want to believe, because they told us, this is it. This is all we can do. This is what you're going to pay for the car. Remember that, sweetie? And, and Leah just looked at me and said, no. Let's agree right now they'll take another $1,000 off. Now, they had closed the deal. They're, they're going to get the papers for us to sign. They come back and they say, you know, over the Internet, just, just now came this little $1,000 thing we can give you. Now, we're going to take another $1,000. That's supernatural, church. Now, see, people say, that. well, that's just luck. There ain't no such a thing as luck. Amen? Amen? Amen. You, you don't believe it? Start riding bulls. <laughs> You'll figure out real quick there's no such thing as luck. Amen. No, no. There's faith and there's doubt and unbelief. And whatever you add your faith to, it's going to come out supernatural in your life. No matter what it is, it's going to come out supernatural. Now, we've been looking at the Spirit of God, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. We began in Hebrews chapter 6 looking at the baptisms unique to this, quote, dispensation. Dispensation is a period of time set upon the earth by God in which He interacts with His creation in a particular way. There was a dispensation of a, quote, old covenant in which God interacted with one group of people upon the earth, which was the nation of Israel. The purpose of that was to get Jesus to the earth so that the whole world could be saved and enjoy the blessings of the Word of God. Now, through salvation... 
What man lost in the fall. Now the fall is what took place in the garden. When man sinned, he became what the Bible calls spiritually dead or separated from God. When Jesus rose from the dead, all of a sudden an availability began to happen in the spirit realm for men and women again to be united to God in the spirit. That's what we call the new birth or being born again. And people struggle with that because they think, well, I just prayed this prayer. Uh, Certainly I got to do something. Well, you do. You have to live for God. Amen. But it's when you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says it's the Spirit of God that comes into your human spirit and you are literally recreated. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The motivation for sin is gone. Now let me say this. The motivation for sin finds its ground zero in your spirit. You say, what do you mean by that? Before you were born again, you were what the Bible calls iniquitous or you had iniquity in your spirit. Iniquity is the impulse or the motivation to sin. How many have raised children? Anybody raise a son or daughter? How many of you had to teach your child how to lie? So now here's how we lie. How many had to teach him how to steal bubble gum at the store? Here, here's how we did. No, wait, no, the clerk's looking. Don't steal it right now. Now, snatch it up. You didn't have to tell them to do You didn't have to teach them to do Every one of us realize in our own lives that as we begin to wake up to living in a human body, having a soul, we begin to develop speech, we all had the problem with the choices that we make because we had no righteousness in us to make righteous choices. So you always made the wrong choice. That's why we discipline and train children. It's also why we build prisons. You say, why? Because people so yield to that iniquity, they not only break the laws of God, they break the laws of our society. Amen. But not only that, that's the, that's the baptism that's talked about throughout the book of Acts in which people are born again. Then there's the second baptism, which is the endowment of power, which Jesus talks about in Acts chapter 1, and which the church experienced in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19. And what is it? Four, four times, Ted? Four, four or five times it says in the Bible, uh, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be a step. That means you need to see two or three witnesses in the word of God that say, this is the word, this is the word. Now you've got that witness and it's an established doctrine. So it became... As it happened initially in the body of Christ, and it was poured out on the day of Pentecost to the original 120, then after 120, 3,000 got saved, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Then another, another, what was it, 5,000 got saved, and they got filled with the... So now you have this powerful Holy Ghost church. That's what God wants. He does not want dead religion. He wants live, living Holy Ghost churches. Now we saw a great move of that that began in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s. We saw these churches just empowered by God. Great houses of healing. Great, great missions churches. Uh, great, great houses in which you'd go in there and you can experience the supernatural power of God. Supernatural power in worship and prayer. It's amazing. I grew up in ministry in those churches. Preached in them all over the world. Helped build some of them. But then it seemed like that began to just kind of wane and we got into 99 and 2000, 2001, 2002 and all of this confusion came into the church, came into the body of Christ and there became a great what's called the user-friendly, seeker-friendly phenomenon. Out of that came huge mega churches, 30,000 members, 
40,000 members, 15,000. And it, it was easy to gather the crowds because there's no demand on them. And here, I remember someone, I forget who it was, they went to a, uh, they went to a church growth conference. And in that church, church growth conference, they taught the five things you should never do if you want your church not to grow. And I thought to myself, the people were showing me that all five things we do. It says you should never take offerings. You should never talk about money. And be careful of the name of Jesus because it's very controversial. It's better just to call him the Christ. And you don't ever pray for the sick because what if you pray for the sick and somebody dies? They will. I pray for people, they died the next day. But I've also prayed for some that lived. And declared the victories of God. Amen. So you've got to understand not everything the corporate church world does is right. Amen. Because you have to follow the word of God. And now we're, now, we're, now we're entering into some days. We're entering into some waters that we've not navigated before as human beings or as a church. And I guarantee you, you better have something supernatural about you as an individual and as a church just to navigate these troubled waters and get through the days and hours in which we're getting through. Amen. And that, one of the, listen, one of the things that, that, that I see happening here, I'm the pastor, so I see it from a kind of a different angle, but I'm sensing something because we have seen a great revival of prayer in our church. And we saw uh, back, what was it, in 2019 or 2021, so right in there somewhere, we had like 122 days in which we prayed. And then we've been maintaining these, you know, three prayer sessions a week. And, but, but this Thursday night prayer thing, something's beginning to stir in there very powerfully. Very See, moves of God come out of the prayer closet. They come out of prayer, prayer, pray, interceding for the outpourings and the movings of God. And I tell you what, once God begins and shifts a church into a, into a refreshing, revival, awakening gear, I guarantee you better get ready, you better hang on, and you better be prepared. You better be prepared. One of the great revivals I was a part of back in the 70s, a man named Austin Wilkerson, he pastored uh, Evangelistic Temple in Houston, Texas. And, and all of a sudden, they had this, they had this guy come, they kind of on a, on a whim, on a Sunday night, his name was Brian Rudd, to share his testimony. And he shared this testimony, and he was kind of a tall guy, this big afro. And he'd always say, he'd always go, like that. He was kind of crazy, you know. <laughs> had gotten out of prison in Canada, he was the son of an Assembly of God pastor, and he was in prison for bank robbery, and they had him on two or three other uh, bank robbery deals that he had, he had done, uh, but the evidence was his fingerprints. They were going to use his fingerprints to bring the rest of these charges against him. He would be locked away for the rest of his life. God, in the prison, changed his fingerprints. I mean, they had... These were your fingerprints. These are your fingerprints. They couldn't convict him. So he knew that was God. So he got out and got right with God. So he goes up there. He shares this testimony. He was a heroin addict. He was all this stuff. And God just delivered him from it. So he starts sharing this testimony. And it so inspired the church. They thought, well, let's come back tomorrow night and just see what happens. Well, within about three nights, just about every hippie in Houston was in that church. Amen. Hippies in churches sometimes have a little, there's a little friction there. Amen. So, so he's, he, uh, the pastor's kind of, because the, 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 the people are saying, you know, these people, they're bringing Cokes in. They're spilling them on the floor. They're smoking cigarettes out in the foyer. You know, half of them look stoned out of their mind anyway. They got long hair. They stink. They this, they this. But the church was full of them. 
And every night they had such a powerful move in the altar that people would come with their drugs and throw their drugs on that, literally pile drugs upon the altar. And Pops, my dad, had to go make a, make a deal with the narcotics department of the Houston Police Department not to arrest them. They just came and took the boxes of them out of the services every night. Did you know just about every person in that church left that church during that revival? They weren't prepared for it. The pastor came down to Galveston. I heard his testimony when he told his testimony. He said, I walked around those rock jetties in Galveston. I prayed. He said, as the sun was coming up, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, you can have your church or you can have revival. He said, I want revival. And that revival went for, I don't know, Ted, do y'all remember how long it went? It went for months, months and months and thousands of people. And now the structure of that church and all, a lot of those hippies are wealthy businessmen in Houston right now. And they're the structure of that church. And God truly blessed them out of that revival. We saw another revival that I experienced when I was a child in a church that had no revelation, knowledge at all. They were just an old, cold, dead denominational church. But one morning they were singing a worship song and the glory of God filled the church. And you know what happened when the glory of God filled the church? All these Episcopal people started speaking in other tongues. Freaked them out. Amen. So we would go to their meetings because they really had, they'd get up and they'd sing that hymn. Alan May, was Alan, I thought I saw Alan praying up here. Yeah, Alan May, remember when we were kids, they, our parents would take us there and they would get up and sing this hymn and the glory of God would just come into that building. People would get healed. People would come up to the altar. They had a few altar workers that would pray for people to get healed and get saved and stuff like that. And then not only that was going on, up in uh, Lakewood Church was getting started. That was the first formative years of Lakewood Church. And full gospel businessmen had 37 chapters around Houston. And at the Shamrock Hilton Hotel, once a month, they'd have three to 5,000 people. Have people like Catherine Kuhlman, Oral Roberts, Kenneth E. Hagan. And God was moving in revival all over Houston. Now there's two full gospel businessmen chapters left in the Houston area. You don't see any of that anymore. That's all behind us. Think what's in front of us. Think what's in front of us. Amen. So we've been looking at this phenomenon, and it is a phenomenon of the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. You say, where is God? He's in you. If you're born again, Christ is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now it's not a religious theory. It is a spiritual substance that abides in your human spirit that makes you uniquely different from somebody who is not born again. Now, we've said this before, but it helps to understand it because a lot of people come out of the denominations and they don't understand some of the things we say. So we want to help bring people along. Number one, the two erroneous doctrines of Christianity. You say, what do you mean by erroneous? They're not true. They're not right. Number one is the fatherhood of God. Is that God is the father of all creatures on the earth. That's not true. God is the creator of all creatures upon the earth, but he's only the father of those who are born again. Amen. Amen. Secondly is the brotherhood of man. We're all brothers. No, we're not. There are two families upon the earth. There's the human family, which includes all of humanity, every race, creed, and color. Every, every geographical location on the earth. The human family includes all of humanity. But if listen, if you are born again, you're not part of the human family anymore. You're part of God's family. I like what E.W. Kenyon said in one of his books. You're one of God's love children. And when you realize that you've gotten out of the human family, you realize the curse of the human family is no longer on you. I tell you, it's great to live above the curse. I said it's great to live above the curse. 
So we must understand God is moving now in a supernatural way to set the standard and to set, and to set the foundation so the platform for the move of the Holy Ghost will be sure and people won't run from it, they'll run to it. So around here, we've been contending on that, contending for that move of God by, 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 doing, by spiritually contending, praying, interceding, using that which is on the inside and that which has come upon us as a tool to help us get into that which God is doing and that which God wants to do in our midst. And I'm telling you, it's stirring now. We're seeing it stir. It was great. Uh, Keith and Sarah aren't here. But when we were down in Mexico to see such an outpouring, Man, that last night, we preached, uh, 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 we did a Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, we did a Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night at the church. Then three nights, uh, we did day meetings too, but three nights, we did faith, healing, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, the night we did the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the, the, the glory of God fell in there unprecedented. There must have been 500 people filled with the, just like this. Boom. Amen. I mean, it just, it just went, whoo. Just hit them. Just. So we're seeing that. And then the stirring of the nations, things that are happening right now. I mean, in Ireland, we're looking at doing something here in the early summer. Other places that we're looking at because people are being stirred as this thing is being lifted up off the earth. People are so hungry and tired of what they've gone through in the last two years. They want something that's real. Well, thank God we got something that's real. You say, what is it? It's that spirit that's on the inside of us that, that, that gorges itself on the Word of God and exercises itself in faith to bring the will of God and the provision of God upon the earth. Now, I think that a lot of Christians are going to be surprised when they get to heaven to find out God was a whole lot less interactive in this dispensation than He was in the Old Covenant. You say, why? Because He did not, he did not uh, leave Israel with His authority. But He left the church with it. You say, what do you mean by that? It's the church that's supposed to be exercising God's authority on the earth, not God. See, a lot of people have a problem with that. That's because that's they don't study the letters to the church. But I'm going to tell you, you're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in you that's he that's in the earth. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you've got to understand there's a power on the inside. I'll never forget having lunch with Pastor John Osteen. Right after I graduated from Bible school, I was carrying one of his speakers and he had a, a, a lunch date with him, so he invited me to go to lunch. And I had just graduated. And he, he, got, he used to get all excited, even, even eating lunch. And he just kind of bristled up and got in. And he said, Rusty, I'm telling you, he said, with the word that I put into you during this year, he said, you can take the earth and spin it in the opposite direction and the sun will come up in the west and set in the... You know, he believed that. I said, he believed that. And see, when you begin to feed yourself on the Word of God, that spirit man on the inside, it just eats it and eats. And you listen, your mind will be saying, oh, what's this mean? And what's that mean? And what, you need to tell your mind to shut up. Because we don't live by the explanations that we get that are palpable to our minds where we can figure that. No, no. We live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave Himself. And a lot of times that does not please your mind. Amen. Now, a couple of scriptures here this morning. Look there in Romans chapter 8. Now, we talked about the first baptism being baptized into the body of Christ. That's the most important. You must be born again. Jesus said that in John chapter 3. You must. You must be born again. You must. Now, this is how he qualified it. If you're not born again, you cannot understand anything about the kingdom of God. I've met friends of mine that are saved now that told me later, I read the Bible when I was unsaved, didn't understand a word of it. 
But then I got saved, read it again. He says, it's amazing how much you understand once you get saved. That's because the book is written for those that are spiritually alive. It's not written for spiritually dead people. It's written for spiritually alive people. So that first baptism, baptism into the body of Christ, you must be born again, believe in your heart, confess with your Secondly, you need power. I'm going to tell you, there's some powers out there you can't overcome on your own. If you've ever been addicted to anything, you know there's some powers on, out there you need some help with. Amen. And thank God there are some powers available to the believer that helps elevate yourself above the level of you just living a natural life on a natural earth. It lifts you above the level where you can live a supernatural life in a natural place. I mean, you take the supernatural out of what we do here, you don't have anything. You say, why? Because the Word produces it and the Spirit produces it. The Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit working together. So Jesus, now this is what we said, remember this, salvation is what? An invitation, an invitation to the whole world. Whosoever shall call, whosoever shall call, whosoever shall call, anyone, whosoever, all the whosoever's of the world. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now let, let, me, let me do this real quick because, you know, teaching sometimes you have to hit some of these things because it will help you understand, help your understanding. There is no pre-selection of God of those who would be saved and those who would not be saved. Do you understand that? Now, that came out along with two doctrines right now that most of Christianity are involved with. Those teachings that all denominations, Baptist, Methodist, uh, Episcopal, Lutheran, Catholic, you name all the denominations, they all come from these two camps, one of these two camps. And that type of understanding, it was about 400 and something, almost 500 years ago in Germany that this came out. Number one is the pre-selection. Well, God chooses some but not others. We're chosen. Predestination. No, no. You have to take all the whosoever's out of the Bible. Now listen, the predestination doctrine is unique to those that are born again because God has predestined all that are born again to be conformed to the image of His will. Yes. Woohoo! I'm glad for that. Yeah. Amen. But as far as, well, there's a group over here that lives on the West End, you know. That... No, 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 no. Whosoever. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. But then Jesus comes back around in Acts chapter, chapter 1 verse 4 and says, I command you. Which means once you're born again. Now the Bible bears it out. You're not your own. You are bought with a price. Now here's, here's what really tickles me about people, dealing with people. We have this inherent idea in our minds that somehow, someway, we possess ourselves. Well, you know, the devil ain't got me and I ain't serving God. No. You either are or you ain't. You say, what do you mean? You're either the child of your father, the devil, and you may be mustering some willpower to resist all of his temptations in your life. Amen. Or you're a child of God. There's no in-between. There's no fence to sit on. So, well, I'm just kind of waiting around to see what is really true or not. The, the devil and his crowd. No, 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 no. You're already caught up by the devil and his crowd. 
He's already formulated in your mind. He's already done all kinds of stuff. And then you got Christianity that comes at you with one false doctrine of Calvinism is what it is because a guy named Calvin came up with it about how some are predestined. Some get it, others don't. God just looks away from them. That's not true. God loves the world. And I, I like what Teal Osborne said. He said, if God loves the world, then the whole world's lovable. Go out and love them. Go out and love them. But do it with my power. Show them. Show them that I love you. Show them that I love you. Amen? So we see that. Then the other doctrine that came out, four or five, is the doctrine of works. You see that a lot in the old Pentecostal uh, uh, churches where, you know, the women don't wear any makeup and, and they have all these rules and all these regulations. That, listen, the, what happened to our liberty where the Spirit of the Lord is there is what? Liberty. It's not a liberty to sin. Listen, your righteousness is not a liberty to sin and get away with it. Your righteousness is a liberty not to sin because you don't want to anymore. Amen. So, Jesus commands that we, we be what? That we be filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just that it abides, but that it empowers. Then we went over to Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the place of every city. Amen. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of a fire, and they all begin to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, that's where a lot of people go, Woo! That's one of them tongue-talking churches. Man, where's the back door? Well, we don't have any snakes or strychnine for you to drink, so at least give us a chance. The phenomenon of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues is a literal, physical miracle. We talked about the uniqueness of your tongue. How your tongue has the ability to connect itself to your intellect. And your intellect assimilates and transmits thought so that other people that speak your language can understand what your thought was. Isn't that simple? But your tongue also has a disconnect ability. It will hook up to your anger, your frustration, your fear, and your bottle of Jose Cuervo. Amen. I said something to somebody one time, and they hit me with a pool cue right across my head. I still got a scar there. I wish I'd have never said that. If I thought, I would have never said that. Amen. But what God does through the phenomenon of the baptism in the Holy Ghost is he reaches down into your, into your physical being and disconnects your tongue from your intellect and hooks it to your spirit. Amen. Then you speak in a language you don't understand. And the reason you speak in that language is because it is not your intellect speaking it. It is your spirit by the Holy Spirit speaking it. Now, the problem was a lot of, when the Pentecostal movement began strong in 1907 in Azusa, California. You can go read about this great outpouring that took place. God's power moved. Eight, the, the little building would hold 800 people. They would do five services a day and they'd have 800 in the building and 5,000 standing outside. One of the number one ministries was to, was to keep the flies off people that laid in the floor sometimes for hours at a time, drunk in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. 
Out of that came a great revival in Africa. Out of that came a great revival in the United States. Out of that came a great wave of the power of God that swept across Europe. I mean, God just burst forth. 1907. Amazing. And from then, we see all of the things that have happened in the move of God has happened not predominantly, but exclusively through men and women who were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Everything from Oral Roberts University to Christian television to, to all the books of the Bible that were written in the New Covenant were all done by people who were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. When John Osteen is a Baptist pastor being groomed for either First or Second Baptist in Houston, which are mega churches, when he was searching for the power of God, he didn't find it in a doctrine. He found it in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, because Jesus said you shall receive power. You shall receive power. Now, Romans chapter 8. Let's go there. I told you to turn there. Just a couple of scriptures to help us. Romans chapter 8. Look there in verse, uh, look verse 16. Now notice it's a capital S here. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, how many of you, that's been one of the first things you've had to fight in your life was the, the, the thought that I'm not saved. That every time you make a mistake, the devil says, you're not saved, you're not saved. That's a bunch, you went to that church, those people are crazy, you're not saved. I mean, just over and over and over. Have you ever noticed that? And until you address that, it's going to wear you down and talk you out of your salvation. So you've got to make a decision not to listen to that voice, but to listen to the voice of God. Listen, how many have noticed there's so many voices out there that are speaking? The Bible says that. There's a multitude of voices that are speaking, none without significance, but only that which calls Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior and the risen Christ. That's the only one that has any significance in your life. So all these other voices that are talking, just tell them to shut up in Jesus' name. Sure, it's a task. You've got to do it. But if you'll do it, then all of a sudden you'll sense this spirit, this connection in you in which God literally presses an impulse into your spirit that helps you realize, I'm a child of God. I don't believe I'm a child of God. I know I'm a child of God. I never believed I was a Martin. I've always known it. You say, why? That's my family. That's my family. You don't have to go around just believing you're saved. You can know you're saved. The Spirit of God bears witness. Bears witness. You know what it means to bear witness? It means to prove through evidence. It bears witness. I mean, the first time that you have thoughts that you think, now I used to never think like that. Or I used to never think like that. Or I used to, you know, you've been sitting under the Word of God, listening to some teaching, maybe reading your Bible, praying, then all of a sudden you start getting these thoughts. They don't come this way. They come this way. You ever seen that happen? It's not, you, can, you can locate yourself. You'll see thoughts coming this way, but they're the thoughts that start doing this, where the Spirit on the inside begins to stimulate you. You say, how do you know it's on the inside? Because you can always trace it back down. You can always go, oh yeah, thank you, Lord. I remember some things the Lord spoke to Lee and I in prayer that I wrote down. I was sharing it with some of the guys. We were praying at the first of the week, sharing some things that the Lord had given us and wrote down to us because we were all praying about a third phase of ministry that we believe we're entering into. And the Lord spoke to Lee and I one time in an intercessory prayer meeting and said to us, he said, now your first phase of ministry, you had to give up everything to go to your second phase. But in your third phase, you'll give up nothing. You'll build a foundation and a base and you'll go from there to the nations of the world. 
See, that was supposed to happen two years ago. And it was scheduled to happen. I believe, what was the year that we all shut down? 2020? 2019? We were scheduled, I think, in four or five international meetings that year and at least that many here in the United States. I mean, we're ready to go. Let's go. We're bra- But see, the devil comes in and always tries to delay. And his purpose in delay is to make you think God's denying you of it. Yeah. But that is a lie. Denies, I mean, delays are never denials. You say, now, how do you know that? Because I've got a spirit on the inside of me that bears witness with my heavenly father in heaven that helps me know that God is doing something powerful and he is preparing us for something awesome. And it's not going to take a whole lot of time. But when it hits, we're going to have to be ready. So the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Amen? Now, go, go over there to verse uh, 28, 24, 25, 26, before we get to 28. Likewise, now notice this, likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities or our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Amen? But the Spirit... Now, remember I've instructed you for years to do that. It says itself... Scratch that outright, himself. You say, what do you mean? It should be himself. Spirit of God's not an it, it's a him. Amen. Now notice this, the Spirit himself does what? Let me find it again. The Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Or one translation says this, inarticulate speech. One one translation actually says this, in languages unknown to the intellect. Amen? In language unknown to the intellect, which is an unknown language. Now, we've got a little video of uh, of Pops. I I might play it next next week or or the next week. I think it's the next week. I'll play it. And and it's of our men. How many remember our men's thing we did with all the BB guns? Remember that? Wasn't that fun? Now, now we let Pops speak. And what did he speak on? He He spoke on being filled with the Holy Ghost. And he talked about in February of 1962, he said, I was filled with the Holy Ghost because I heard myself speak in a language I did not learn. And he talked about in this little testimony how he had three degrees. He said, I thought I knew everything. He said, I had a, a law, I'd just been, just been invited into a, a major law practice here on Galveston Island. He said, it looked like my life was just taken off. And then all of a sudden my life was interrupted with this spiritual event in my life. And it totally changed the trajectory of his life. Radically changed it. And him and my mom lived that lifestyle their whole lives of being men and women that were filled with the Holy Ghost and lived their life by the leadership of that Holy, of the Holy Spirit. And it didn't make them, especially at first when they first moved to Galveston, it didn't make them that popular because there is a price to pay when you bear the name of Jesus. But over the years, as dad continued to show forth spiritual integrity and compassion for people, especially at their lowest moments, people began to see differences in my parents and begin to understand there's something in them that's not in me. What is that? And they were able to lead hundreds of people to the Lord because of that. God loves you. God wants you to have powers beyond your ability, supernatural powers. And one of them is in prayer or intercession is when you stand in the gap for someone else. That's what intercession is. Taking on the assignment in order to bring someone else into the move. And which you're, the Bible says when Zion travails or when Zion intercedes, Zion being a type of the church, sons and daughters are born into the kingdom of God. Amen. Things you not, don't know. You ever had something in your life? I don't know how to pray for this. 
And I don't even know what to pray. Well, thank God God's given you the Holy Ghost that helps you to pray in a language that you do not understand and bring forth the will of God in your life. I guess one of the reasons we had success in field ministry all those years and so many people even to this day want us to come and speak in their churches or at their conferences is because not only did we have a handle upon the word of God and we're able to bring a good word to people because that's the word that's working in our lives but then there was the move of the spirit element there which is so rare in so many places these days you just don't see it like you used to I'd travel all over the United States and all over the world. And we'd go from one revival to the next. One after that, one after that. Spirit of God moving. Great outpouring of healing here. Great outpouring of deliverance here. The hundreds of people baptized in the Holy Ghost here. Lots of people say, I mean, it was just super nice. It seemed like everywhere you go. Then all of a sudden, it just kind of grinded down. But that doesn't stop our prayer and our intercession. Because we do not want to repeat what God did yesterday. We want what He has for us in the future. The best is yet to come. I said, how do you know? I mean, we know it so much around here, we're willing to put it on a t-shirt. I let that soak a little, amen. Now notice what it says again. It says, we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. Let me read that in the Amplified. I like it in the Amplified. Let me find it. It says the Holy Ghost comes to, our, comes to our aid and bears us up in our witness for we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it. Let me find it here. Or how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit Himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads on our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Now, I think a lot of people serve God on an emotionless level where they have no feelings and no experiences with God. Now, we teach doctrine that we see in the Word of God that the just shall live by faith. And you living for God by faith many times does not afford you an emotion to understand that God is here or with you or doing something for you. But God will always supply the knowledge that he's doing it. I know God's working. How do you know? Well, I prayed last night. And I was believing when I went in praying, but I come out knowing after the prayer. Anybody ever had that happen to them? That's the Spirit of God helping you in your prayer. Amen. And in that, we realize that, you know, and this is an amazing phenomenon because as far as the church has come in all these years, 2,000 years since Jesus rose from the dead, we still know so little. We still just scratch the surfaces. I mean, we'd be in meetings back when we used to travel, and many of them we did not conduct. Other ministers of much higher level would conduct them. But there would be thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and the glory of God would come in and move in just unprecedented ways. If you want to see some of that, go look on on the Internet. You could probably just type in, when the Spirit gets to moving. And you'll look, you'll come into a church of about five or 6,000. Everybody's dressed beautifully to the nines in suits and ties. And you'll see an older gentleman there walking around till he can't walk no more. 
and they have to hold him around his waist. And you'll watch the glory of God sweep across that auditorium and people are just rejoicing. Some are laughing. Some are crying. Some are rolling on the floors. Had some true holy rollers going on. I mean, it's one of the most amazing demonstrations of the power of God in mass. We've seen it here like that to, to an extent of the Spirit of God coming into services, our fall harvest conferences, other meetings that we've had. Just on a regular Sunday morning, we come in just to worship and praise God, and the Spirit of God will just fall, and the Holy Ghost will just do something completely off of our schedule. Why does that happen? Because we pray, and the Spirit of God intercedes, intercedes on our behalf. We know not what nor how to pray, but the Spirit of God comes. You may have a problem in your business, your job, at your marriage, in your marriage, with your kids, with your finances, with your physical health. Pray. God has an answer for you. Pray and then learn to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, that Thursday night prayer uh, meeting is a clinic on learning to pray in the Spirit and learning to pray in the Holy Ghost. Man, my time's almost up. One more quick one here. Go to... uh, Oh, which one, Lord? I've got a couple here. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians 14. No, 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 no. Go to Jude. The book of Jude is a little book right before we get to, right before we get to the book of Revelation, there's the book of Jude. It's a little bitty book. It's only got one chapter. And we're going to look at verse 20. And I had a bunch of other scriptures that I'm going to use. We'll pick them up next time. Notice this. Jude chapter 20. Jude chapter 20. No, Jude verse 20, not chapter 20. Excuse me. Jude 20. Verse 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, amplified. But you, beloved... Build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. Make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. I think I'd figure out what that means. If that's going to empower me and cause me to rise higher. Listen to it. Listen to it in in the passion. But you... My delightfully loved friends, consistently and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. Fasten your hearts to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. Woo! Amen. Now, it's got a little reference here in the, in the, in the Passion Bible, a little, a little letter there. And so I went down there. In verse, in, in verse 20, it's got a little H. It says this. Praying in the Spirit refers to praying in other tongues. Then it gives us the Scripture references I was just looking at. Now go to 1 Corinthians 14 real quick, and I'll close with this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Oh, Lord, that's such a tough chapter. <laughs> when you teach the word, every, vo- every verse cries out, talk about me, talk about me. So I got I to be, I I be careful, amen? Look at verse, let's just start with verse 2. This will help us. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Now notice this, this is outside the book of Acts. Amen? 
outside the book of Acts, speaking of praying in tongues, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. One translation says he speaketh secrets. Which means that your adversary, the devil, in the demonic world has no access to your prayer life in the spirit. Amen. Amen? So we understand when we start praying in the Holy Ghost, several things are happening. We're praying the will of God. Everybody say the will of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. So the will of God is always synonymous with what? The Word of God. The will of God and the Word of God are the same thing. Secondly, you're building yourself up. Now, if you're, if you're a student of the Bible and you study the, the Greek words and all the different words, it talks about literally battery, like a battery being charged layer upon layer. You know how those batteries charge and they kind of charge layer upon layer? This talking about you taking the Word of God, getting it into your heart, then praying in the Spirit, and that's like building up a battery charge on the inside of you. Amen. And I've done that, man. I tell you, for all my life in ministry, before ever service, I try to pray at least an hour in the Holy Ghost before I walk into an auditorium. And it's amazing how you walk in spiritually sensitive and spiritually sensitive as to what many times the needs of the people, but always sensitive to that which God wants to do in a meeting. Yeah, we want God's best. If the best is yet to come, then that's what we want is God's best. Amen. So praying like that, praying in other tongues. Now, let me, let me close with this because this might help you because we used a couple of illustrations. Language is very unique in the earth. There are so many different languages and the Bible talks about the languages of men and the languages of angels. So it's giving us two different sources for literal expression or the assimilation of thought into a transmissible, a transmissible language. Now, when a cow says moo, it means moo. It doesn't mean the grass is greener over here or we need to go over there and drink water. It means moo. When a dog barks, it means woof. When a duck quacks, it means quack. Now, there are certain things you can do with those things to, you know, to, 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 to create and to communicate. Amen. I know everyone talks to their little dog, you know, and they're sitting there going, <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. You don't talk dog, amen. Now, there's a, there's a lot of crazy language. I was in Tanzania, Africa. They were taking me on a little a photographic safari in one of the big, beautiful parks there in Tanzania. And so I, I, I was with just one guide and me, so I wasn't with a big group of people. So we're driving, and he's kind of giving me the location in northern Tanzania, southern Kenya. And he says, now, and across those mountains, and he was pointing at these beautiful mountains. He said, now, up in those mountains is the tribe that speaks click. And I said, what? And he said, they speak click. And I said, you lost me. And he says, they talk like this. He says, they speak click. I heard a story. It's, it's unique to uh, uh, the Swaggart ministry, Jimmy Swaggart, of a pastor that he preached for young in the ministry who had a man in the church who when the Spirit of God would start moving, he would begin to whistle in, in a particular way, just this particular sound. It was almost like a speech with a whistle in it. And so, you know, of course, the, 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 the real spiritual people in the church were very concerned and wanted to shut it all down. <laughs> Isn't that the way it always is? Amen. And so, you know, the pastor was real perplexed on what to do. He had counseled with some of the other men that he knew. And he said, well, maybe it is a distraction or something. And so 
just before they were fixing to make a decision on what to do, they had some ministers from Africa come. And those ministers from Africa, back then it was just on a reel-to-reel tape. They wanted to play a, a, a reel-to-reel recording of these African people they were working with and of them worshiping God in their language. So they're singing this beautiful song of, of, of how much they loved and worshiped God. And do you know what it was? It was the exact thing that that man had been whistling all those years in that church. So, you know, we think we may know everything about language, but we don't. But see, God does. But see, God does. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, it takes the experience of what your new birth was, it brings it into a lifestyle. Because it's controversial. I mean, people have asked me, are you one of them tongue-talking Christians? I said, absolutely I am. But I don't use it that derogatory. I'm spirit-filled. Now, one more time, let me end with this. Because we are witnesses. Every one of us should be soul winners. So we don't make people mad, we make them glad. So when somebody tells you, I have the Holy Ghost, I went to the First Baptist Church, I went to the Methodist Church, I went to the Lutheran Church, I gave my heart to Jesus, I believed in my heart, I confessed with my mouth, they have the Holy Ghost. But they do not have it in baptismal form. So you don't start a conversation by saying, you don't have the Holy Ghost because you don't speak in tongues. That really makes people happy, doesn't it? I'll tell you a story. We were, I still got to get back at Randy for this. When we were traveling a lot, they did a citywide revival in Grosbeck, Texas. And so they did a, uh, the Baptists had a night, the Lutheran had a night, I think the Catholics had a night, the Episcopals had a night. And then they gave Randy's church a night, so he left town and gave it to me. <laughs> I said, thanks a lot. So we did his Sunday morning service. Sunday night, we came out to a rodeo arena, and it was packed with people. And so the, the, the place to preach was on the back of a big flatbed trailer, which they had hay stacked around, and then there was a microphone and a music stand there where you could set your Bible, say, worship God, several of the churches, people sang some special music. So I got up there, and I had this message I was going to preach. I was going to preach, you know, and it was all, you know, had my notes and all this kind of stuff. So I'm up there preaching this message, and it was like, it was like trying to chew on briars. Mm. Lee was there. She was laughing at me. I was like trying to get these words out of my mouth. Puh, puh, puh. I couldn't even hardly talk. So finally, I knew what was going on. I wasn't obeying God, so he wasn't with me. So I took off, and I jumped off that trailer, and I landed on the ground in front of all these preachers. And I said this. I said, I'm not here to apologize for speaking in tongues. And they were kind of looking at me like this. And the rest of the crowd, about 400 people, went like this. Glory to God! I knew we had them then. Amen? So I just got up and preached on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, there must have been three or 400 people just like that got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was powerful what God was doing. But the resistance to it is phenomenal because it is controversial. Because every time you see on, on television, when they put up a Pentecostal people, they don't show Island Church. They certainly don't go up to Lakewood Church. They certainly don't go up to Or. They go to some place in Kentucky. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rob. I couldn't help. <laughs> I told you, that's where they go. <laughs> and they find somebody... 
And then I, I mean, I watched it when all that stuff was going on with Oral Roberts and Jimmy Swaggart. I watched, I watched Ted Koppel, and they showed this church, and this guy had like two teeth. I, you don't know the fortune I've spent on my teeth over the years, just so I would have more than one. Amen. <laughs> Who's, who said that about? They, they invented the toothbrush in Galveston. Yeah, because any place else it'd have been the teeth brush. <laughs> Amen. But there, there is a, there is, listen, there's extremes to everything. And they saw in the Bible in, in Mark chapter 16, the Great Commission, take up serpents. So they go find them. You know, so we don't do that. We don't do that. We see our, our policy is at Island Church is shoot first, identify later. That's the way it is. Amen. And, and, you know, and then they do drink strychnine. And I actually read a story of a little 19-year-old girl that obviously God had his hand on trying to get her out of that. And she drank a bunch of strychnine and it killed her. And they say, well, if you don't handle snakes or drink strychnine, you have no faith. I know you ain't got no sense. <laughs> You'll find out the Holy Ghost is sensible, but he's also not stupid. Amen. But we must understand the world and a lot of the church, but you know God... He has his inroads into the church. And he knows how to, every denomination, everyone. How many of you came from another denomination? You were Baptist, Methodist, Catholic. Look at it. See, that's what we, everybody is until they find. Because if you follow any spirit of God in any church, and I believe there's a spirit of God in every church, it'll lead you into the deeper things of God. It'll lead you into the deeper depths of God. Amen. And in these last days, what we're going to see is an exclamation of what? The outpouring of the Holy Ghost with hundreds of people getting filled with the Holy Ghost, along with healing, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, everything that goes along with it. It's phenomenal. God has prepared us for decades for us to handle it and to be able to live in the atmosphere of that for a short period of time before Jesus comes back. So, I encourage you as your pastor, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues every day. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, then don't don't say, well, pastor, I, 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 just don't, I just don't want that. Don't say that. Say this. Say, I'm going to keep my heart open. I'm going to keep my mind open. There's so many people over the years. You know, we've been in the church a year before Pops got the Holy Ghost. Mom got it a year earlier. He was stubborn. He didn't want any part of it. He thought those people were crazy. He did. And then God hooked him up in 1963 with Kenneth E. Hagin, who changed the world. Change the entire world, the way the world sees the move of God, how we respond to faith. And you that don't know his story, it's so phenomenal. Literally a dead man, God raised from the dead and anointed him, said, go teach my people faith. So simple. We were blessed to sit in his, under his ministry for so many years. And it was so supernatural. So supernatural. And we will. Here in the next week or so, we'll pray for all of those that want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speak with other tongues. Don't close your heart to it. Here's the thing. How are you going to make it in the years that are ahead? If you don't have some kind of force, I like what Pastor Mark Brzee, the book he wrote, The Guide Inside, how the Holy Ghost can take and become the, the, the compass of your life, the gyroscope on the inside of you. Helps you turn this way or helps you turn that way. Helps you to know to do this or to not to do that. It's amazing how God does those types of things and how interactive God wants to be with you. I've become so aware of that even lately in every aspect of your life. I mean, you wouldn't even think that like, like buying a truck or 
or, or, or going to on, on a trip somewhere, doing this or doing that or making a decision or doing that. All of these things of your life, God wants to have his hand right in there. You know why? Because he wants to release his provision that he's already purchased for you through Christ, in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, the best is yet to come, but I've got another t-shirt. The most supernatural is yet to come too. Because we're seeing it happen in our midst. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. You said those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, that they would be filled. And we thank you today, Lord God, that each and every one of us have a growing hunger on the inside of us for the Holy Ghost, for the move of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll do that, Lord. Now, we were going to go on in to chapter 14 because it differentiates between the two manifestations of tongues unique to the body of Christ. Remember there in Acts chapter 2, it was cloven. Everybody say cloven. That means two. There were two manifestations. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's two workings of the Spirit in your life. The Spirit that abides through the new birth and the Spirit that empowers. Two workings of the Spirit. Well, there's two workings of the Spirit when it comes to tongues. Number one, there's that initial language you receive. You receive because you come in faith. You receive because you desire. You come, you lift your hands. We pray a prayer. We lay hands on you. Then we urge you to speak, not the Spirit of God to speak. We, I was in a meeting in, in uh, Corpus Christi, a sectional meeting of the Assemblies of God. About 800 youth were there. I thought, well, best thing for young people is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So I preached on being filled with the Holy Ghost, and about 200 of them came forward. In this prayer line was a worker in the church, a lady I, I judged to be maybe in her 50s, early 60s, up there with all these teenagers. So we're going down the line, and people are receiving, 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 receiving. So I come up to her. I said, you haven't received the Holy Ghost? She said, no. I said, how long have you gone to this church? She said, for 40 years. That's why they never asked me back, because there sits the pastor who let somebody sit in his church for 40 years without the Holy Ghost. I said, well, why haven't you received? She says, I'm tearing. I said, that's not scriptural. I had a friend of mine, Dennis Miller, was with me. I said, Dennis is with us. We don't have to tarry for it. He's here now. I said, the Spirit of God is here now. Laid hands on her. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. She'd been tearing 40 years. Amen. But it's getting easy now because we've getting our doctrine correct in the Word of God. It is the will of God for every believer to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But it is an issue of two things, faith and yieldedness. Because He doesn't speak, you do. You have to use your vocal cords, your voice, your breath. And some people become very adept at it because they practice. You come and listen to me and Pastor Leah and Brother Allen and, and different ones uh, uh, that have had the Holy Ghost for years praying back there in the prayer room. You're not going to pray like that until you start doing it as long as we have. But you can start where you are and develop your own prayer life. That's the initial. That's the first place. Tongues works like that in every person. Every, then there's the gift of tongues talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is a supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue, amen, that is equivalent to prophecy. Prophecy is what? Not the foretelling of doom and gloom. Prophecy is the edification, exhortation, and comfort of the church. A tongue is given in a congregational setting by an individual. 
then the interpretation by another individual is getting. I operate in both of those gifts, but I love the church to operate in the gift of tongues. There are certain people that have a gift working in them. I like to see how many by people lifting their hands. And then there's an order to that. The Bible says by two or three, let them speak in that unknown. Let one interpret. Amen. Now I was blessed. Alan was blessed. We sat under a ministry that was so proficient in it that they became the, 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 the forefront, the forefront ministry or the ground zero ministry of the entire charismatic movement. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But that still operates today. Amen. So lift your hands and worship God for just a moment. Father, we worship you. Father, we glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. We know every time a person speaks in an unknown language by the unction of the host, that that act declares you're risen. That you're seated at the right hand of the Father and that you have received the person and the power of the Holy Ghost and have poured it out, poured it out, poured it out upon your church, upon your body. Now, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for it in doctrine, in proclamation, and we thank you for it in demonstration. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now put your hands down just for a moment. Kind of close your eyes. Just let the Spirit of God settle. Now many times in congregational setting, evidence of a gift stirring in you, maybe a quickened heartbeat, maybe you feel a flush run over your body. I used to years ago. Now everything I do, I have to do by faith. When you first begin in these things, God sometimes, many times, will give you a feeling or an emotion. But He expects you to grow out of that to where all He has to do. The Bible says this, I will lead you by my eye. It's a parental thing. You ever seen how your dad or your mom can look at you? That's the way God loves to communicate with His kids. Hallelujah. Now if you have a message in tongues... Lift your hand, be recognized. How many do? Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to ask Pat Martin to give that out, if you will. Now, you must understand that the spiritual things being imparted, being explained, and expounded upon is that which can literally save your life. Cause you to walk above all the fray and the fight. Cause you to live above all the effect of that which is happening on the earth today. And raise you supernaturally to a place in which the victories of God can become a procession in your life one after the other. Therefore yield to spiritual things. Yield to the Spirit that's moving among you. Yield to the Spirit that's moving in you and you will find an enhancement for life that is found nowhere else on the earth but in my presence and by my Spirit. So enjoy and drink till you're full and let the joy of the fullness of my Spirit resonate in your hearts at all time and you will be that presentation of my life and my Spirit everywhere you go, and in all that you do. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and thank God for that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, it's amazing because if you do yield to the Spirit, I do, I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm so blown away that God would even think, much less use me to do anything. I mean, it just blows me away. But many times you start out like that and you open the door. Now notice something we did after that tongue was given and I gave the interpretation. That was not pre-planned. Pat had no idea that she would be doing that this morning. Am I right? Wave, wave at me. Had no idea. I had no pre-planned thing to say. That was, that was inspirational instantaneously by the Spirit of God. But see, then notice afterwards, what did we do? We didn't start clapping. We just all lifted our hands very reverently. Now, you know what that does? See, that opens the door for the Spirit of God to do what? To just expand it out a little more. To bring other gifts into operation. Amen? So, in my spirit, just now this is something different. We'll teach on this in the weeks to come. A word of knowledge by the Holy Ghost, which is a part of God's knowledge that pertains to a particular situation for an individual here in the church today or anybody that desires to grab hold of that can grab a hold of that and say, that's mine, I want that too. Amen? Now, for Simon Marvin, listen. This came up in my spirit. Lee and I years ago were believing God for something and the Lord had to do some correcting in us and this is what he said. He said, your problem is you're looking at what you don't have and what you can't do instead of looking at what you do have and what you can do. And so... That helped Lee and I to make an adjustment to receive a major miracle in our life that we were believing God for. So when I was standing there, the Lord just, just showed me, then just, just almost like a, something would flash on the inside of me. He said to tell you this, that the frustration that you have is because the things that you can't do that you want to do, and you can't figure out how to do it because you want to do it but can't, are causing like a blindness to come where you can't see. But today that's going to be removed where you can begin to see what you do have and what you can do and utilize what you do have and can do to get what you're believing God for. Because that specific thing that you've targeted, it seems like the more you've gone out after it, the more impossible it is given. God wants you to know, no, it's not that it's more impossible. He wants you to have something better. So your faith needs to reach out a little more and in doing that and looking at what you do have. Now, this is what the Spirit of God told me to tell you guys today. That you're in a better place in your life that you've ever, than you've ever been. You've been around more, but you had not been around better. And it's going to bring you to a place in which not only it's going to affect your life here and your life as you interact and grow, but it's going to affect those that you know in the Philippines as they see how you're growing and how God is blessing you. It's going to cause great blessing to come to them. Amen? Now lift your hands and thank God for that. Does that agree with your spirit? See, I always ask people if that, because if somebody tells you something in a meeting, make sure it agrees with your spirit. If it don't, just put it on the back shelf. Amen? But if it agrees with your spirit, then you grab hold to that. You say, that's mine. That's God speaking to me. That's mine. And then you just take the word of God and you begin to frame the answer of that. Hallelujah. Now another, now this is no, nobody person specific in this, but the spirit of God said, pray over this. So, Several people here, you're needing to make a decision. Something is, is looming in front of you and you're needing to make a decision. Now, here's what the Spirit of God spoke to me. And I've mentioned this to Leah the other day, just in passing, not knowing that it was something that God was dealing with me about. Now, here's the key. 
Every one of you that have a decision, you need to make a decision. Whichever way you decide to go, you want to go God's way. Here's why. When you make a decision and it's God's decision and not yours, you grow as you go through whatever it is you're going through that you just made that decision about. When you don't do it God's way, then you begin to regress. You begin to make steps backwards. And that's the last thing you want to do is to back out of the will of God. So there is that which blesses, which restores, which brings blessing into lives and businesses and marriages. And sometimes you've got to work, your, you've got to fight your way into that restoration by making decisions in line with the Word of God that sometimes are not convenient or comfortable. But you know, this is the way I've got to go to make this thing right and to be obedient to God. And see, sometimes that's the hesitation in making that decision where in reality you already know what you're supposed to do. You know, I've learned this over the years. Many times people come to me with questions that in their question is the answer. I had a very well-known pastor come to me. He was considering somebody on his staff. We ran into each other at a wedding. He got me off to the side and talked to me for about 15 minutes. I just sat there and listened to him. <laughs> then I looked at him. I said, I said, you answered your own question. He looked at me like, what? Because I can be like that, you know. I said, you've answered your own question. He said, what? I said, just the fact that you would ask me. And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes it's right there in front of you. Simple. Simple. I found this about God. He's so simple. We complicate things. We're the ones that complicate it. All of us have very complicated problems that have taken us years to get there. Now, if you have a complicated answer for that, you ain't going to get that. You need a simple answer. Everybody say simple answer. God's a simple God with a simple answer for your complicated problems. Hallelujah. My goodness. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick. Are you right with God? Are you living right, doing right? If you're not, lift your hand. Say, I want to be right with God. Anybody at all? Praise God. One hand, God bless you. Anyone else? Another hand, another hand. Three of you. Praise God. Anyone else? Now everybody just sit there and pray this prayer out loud. Heavenly Father, right now, in church today, Island Church, first day of spring, I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you, Lord, you raised your son Jesus, raised him from the dead. And all that you do to get him to the earth, he lived that sinless life, being born of a virgin. You did it all for me. You did it all for me. Help me, Lord. You know where I'm weak. Strengthen me. I want to serve you with all of my heart. Empower me today. Let the spirit that abides, my salvation, that strengthen me. Help me to yield to it. Then prepare me. Prepare me for an empowerment. A life enhancement like I've never had before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Don't forget Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. We have prayer at 630. Church at 7. We're starting to get into some. 730. That's right. We're starting to get into some things about authority. And listen. If you're struggling especially with answers in your life, it is vital that you know about your authority. You have authority. Many people pray 
and sit around thinking, God, why don't you do something? And God's saying, why don't you take my authority and do something? Amen. Speak to your debt. If something's in your body, a, a physical disease, you know, every service, for about the past year, every prayer service that I'm in, after I quote my healing scriptures, I am praying for every person in the church that's dealing with a, what I call a life disease. You know, something that the doctors have told you, you have to live with that. You don't. I said you don't. You don't have to live with asthma. You don't have to, you don't have to live with arthritis. You don't have to live with high blood pressure. You don't have to live with diabetes. You don't have to do it. You say, why? Jesus paid the price. You say, well, I went down and I had prayer and I'm, I'm still sick. You're going to have to fight your fight of faith. You're going to have to make a decision. I'm, I'm healed of this in Jesus. Sometimes it's a fight. But I guarantee you, if you'll get in there and fight that fight, God will bless you. And we're, not, we're, we're just going to believe God. Every person that's struggling with his life disease, you're going to get healed. And, this, and how we teach the word on those words encapsulated in those words is the word that heals your body. Amen. Aren't you glad? God loves you that much. Praise God. Hallelujah. We done, Doc? We good? Let's stand. Let's all stand. Be dismissed. Father, thank you for our coming week. As always, as is our tradition, we declare our protection. We, we declare our safety. And we declare your word that keeps us safe and protected. Psalms 91, no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In our, in our travel, a highway, airway, seaway, railway, any other way of travel or transportation, we call ourselves blessed. In the righteous labor of our hands, as all the men and women go into their particular jobs, thank you, Father. We are protected. We're safe. No trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We say no in the name of Jesus. Thanking you, Father, for a safe, blessed, and protected week. Lord, as we leave today, stir, Spirit of God in us. Stir, stir, Spirit of God on us. That witness you've called us to be. So many people in our life. Lord, they need Jesus. They need the Spirit of God, the power of God, the anointing of God to rescue them like He rescued us. So Father, let us be that light. Let us be that salt. An answer to people's prayer, a problem to the devil, a miracle in someone else's life. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. As we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.